Part two, chapter four of a popular history of astronomy during the nineteenth century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A popular history of astronomy during the nineteenth century by Agnes Mary Clark. Part two, chapter four solar spectroscopy part two as to vertical motions above the limb on the other hand we have direct visual evidence of a truly amazing kind the projected glowing matter has by the aid of the spectroscope been watched in its ascent on september seventh eighteen seventy one young examined at noon a vast hydrogen cloud one hundred thousand miles long as it showed to the eye and fifty four thousand high it floated tranquilly above the chromosphere at an elevation of some fifteen thousand miles and was connected with it by three or four upright columns presenting the not uncommon aspect compared by lockyer to a grove of banyans called away for a few minutes at twelve thirty on returning at twelve fifty five the observer found that in the meantime the whole thing had been literally blown to shreds by some inconceivable uprush from beneath in place of the quiet cloud i had left the air if i may use the expression was filled with flying debris a mass of detached vertical fusiform filaments each from ten feet to thirty feet by two or three feet wide brighter and closer together where the pillars had formerly stood and rapidly ascending they rose with a velocity estimated at one hundred and sixty six miles a second to fully two hundred thousand miles above the sun's surface then gradually faded away like a dissolving cloud and at one fifteen only a few filmy wisps with some brighter streamers low down near the photosphere remained to mark the place a velocity projection of at least five hundred miles per second was by proctor's calculation required to account for this extraordinary display to which the earth immediately responded by a magnetic disturbance and a fine aurora it has proved by no means an isolated occurrence young saw its main features repeated october seventh eighteen eighty one on a still vaster scale for the exploded prominence attained this time an altitude of three hundred and fifty thousand miles the highest yet chronicled lockyer moreover has seen a prominence forty thousand miles high shattered in ten minutes while uprushes have been witnessed by Respighi, of which the initial velocities were judged by him to be four hundred or five hundred miles a second when it is remembered that a body starting from the sun's surface at the rate of three hundred and eighty three miles a second would if it encountered no resistance escape forever from his control it is obvious that we have in the enormous forces of eruption or repulsion manifested in the outbursts just described the means of accounting for the vast diffusion of matter in the solar neighborhood nor is it possible to explain them away as cornu fay and others have sought to do by substituting for the rush of matter in motion progressive illumination through electric discharges chemical processes or even through the mere reheating of gases cooled by expansion all the appearances are against such evasions of the difficulty presented by velocity stigmatized as fabulous and improbable but which there is the strongest reason to believe really exist on the twelfth of december eighteen seventy eight sir norman lockyer formally expounded before the royal society 
his hypothesis of the compound nature of the chemical elements a hypothesis it is true over and over again propounded from the simply terrestrial point of view what was novel was the supraterrestrial evidence adduced in its support and even this had been in a general and speculative way anticipated by professor f w clark of washington lockyer had been led to his conclusion along several converging lines of research in a letter to monsieur dumas dated december third eighteen seventy three he had sketched out the successive stages of celestial dissociation which he conceived to be represented in the sun and stars the absence from the solar spectrum of metalloidal absorption he explained by the separation in the fierce solar furnace of such substances as oxygen nitrogen sulphur and chlorine into simpler constituents possessing unknown spectra while metals were at that time still admitted to be capable of existing there in a state of integrity three years later he shifted his position onward he announced as the result of a comparative study of the fraunhofer and electric arc spectra of calcium that the molecular grouping of that metal which at low temperatures gives a spectrum with its chief line in the blue is nearly broken up in the sun into another or others with lines in the violet this came to be regarded by him as a truly typical case during four years eighteen seventy five to seventy eight inclusive this diligent observer was engaged in mapping a section of the more refrangible part of the solar spectrum wavelengths of three thousand eight hundred to four thousand on a scale of magnitude such that if completed down to the infrared its length would have been about half a furlong the attendant laborious investigation by the aid of photography of metallic spectra seemed to indicate the existence of what he called basic lines these held their ground persistently in the spectra of two or more metals after all possible impurities had been eliminated and were therefore held to attest the presence of a common substratum of matter in a simpler state of agitation than any with which we are ordinarily acquainted later inquiries have shown however that between the spectral lines of different substances there are probably no absolute coincidences basic lines are really formed of doublets or triplets merged together by insufficient dispersion of thalen's original list of seventy rays common to several spectra very few resisted tholon's and young's powerful spectroscopes and the process of resolution was completed by roland thus the argument from community of lines to community of substance has virtually collapsed it was replaced by one founded on certain periodical changes on the spectra of sunspots they emerged from a series of observations begun at south kensington under sir norman lockyer's direction in eighteen seventy nine and continued for fifteen years the principle of the method employed is this the whole range of fraunhofer lines is visible when the light from a spot is examined with the spectroscope but relatively few are widened now these widened lines alone constitute presumably the true spot spectrum they and they alone tell what kinds of vapor are thrust down into the strange dusky pit of the nucleus the unaffected lines taking their accustomed origin from the overlying strata of the normal solar atmosphere here then we have the criterion that was wanted the means of distinguishing spectroscopically and chemically between the cavity and the absorbing layers piled up above it 
by its persistent employment some marked peculiarities have been brought out such as the unfamiliar character of numerous lines in spot spectra especially at epochs of disturbance and the strange individuality in the behavior of every one of these darkened and distended rays each seems to act on its own account it comports itself as if it were the sole representative of the substance emitting it its appearance is unconditioned by that of any of its terrestrial companions in the same spectrum the most curious fact however elicited by these inquiries was that of the attendance of chemical vicissitudes upon the advance of the sunspot period as the maximum approached unknown replaced known components of the spot spectra in a most pronounced and unmistakable way it seemed as if the vapors emitting lines of iron titanium nickel etc had ceased to exist as such and their room been taken by others total strangers in terrestrial laboratories these were held by lockyer to be simply the finer constituents of their predecessors disassociation having been effected by the higher temperature ensuing upon increased solar activity but father cordy's supplementary investigations at stonyhurst modified while they in the main substantiated the south kensington results they showed that the substitution of unknown for known lines characterizes disturbed spots at all stages of the solar cycle so that no systematic course of chemical change can be said to affect the sun as a whole they showed further from evidence independent of that obtained by young in eighteen ninety two the remarkable conspicuousness in spot spectra of vanandium lines excessively faint in the fraunhofer spectrum lockyer's unknown lines may probably thus be accounted for they represent absorption not by new but by scarce elements especially father cordy thinks those with atomic weights of about fifty the circumstance of their development in solar commotions largely to the exclusion of iron is none the less curious but it cannot be explained by any process of dissociation the theory has however to be considered under still another aspect it frequently happens that the contortions or displacements due to motion are seen to affect a single line belonging to a particular substance while the other lines of that same substance remain imperturbable now how is this most singular fact which seems at first sight to imply that a body may be at rest and in motion at one and the same instant to be accounted for it is accounted for on the present hypothesis easily enough by supposing that the rays thus discrepant in their testimony do not belong to one kind of matter but to several combined at ordinary temperatures to form a body in appearance elementary of these different vapors one or more may of course be rushing rapidly towards or from the observer while the others remain still and since the line of sight across the average prominence region penetrates at the sun's edge a depth of about three hundred thousand miles all the incandescent materials separately occurring along which line are projected into a single flame or cloud it will be perceived that there is ample room for diversities of behavior the alternative mode of escape from the perplexity consists in assuming that the vapor in motion is rendered luminous under conditions which reduce its spectrum to a few rays the unaffected lines being derived from a totally distinct mass of the same substance shining with its ordinary emissions thus calcium can be rendered virtually monochromatic by attenuation and analogous cases are not rare 
Sir Norman Lockyer only asks us to believe that effects which follow certain causes on the earth are carried a stage farther in the sun, while the same causes must be vastly intensified. We find that the bodies we call compound split asunder at fixed degrees of heat within the range of our resources. Why should we hesitate to admit that the bodies we call simple do likewise at degrees of heat without the range of our resources? The term element simply expresses terrestrial incapability of reduction, that in celestial laboratories, the means and their effect, here absent should be present, would be an inference challenging in itself, no expression of incredulity. There are indeed theoretical objections to which, though probably not insuperable, are unquestionably grave. Our seventy chemical elements, for instance, are placed by the law of specific heats, on a separate footing from their known compounds. We are not, it is true, compelled by it to believe their atoms to be really and absolutely such, to contain, that is, the irreducible minimum of material substance, but we do certainly gather from it that they are composed on a different principle, from the salts and oxides made and unmade, at pleasure, by chemists. Then the multiplication of the species of matter, with which Lockyer's results menace us, is at first sight startling. They may lead, we are told, to eventual unification, but the prospect appears remote. Their only obvious outcome is the disruption into several constituents of each terrestrial element. The components of iron alone should be counted by the dozen. And there are other metals, such as cerium, which, giving a still more complex spectrum, would doubtless be still more numerously resolved. Sir Norman Lockyer interprets the observed phenomena as indicating the success of combinations in varying proportions of a very few original ingredients, but no definite sign of their existence is perceptible. Protyle seems long to evade recognition, and the only intelligible underlying principle for the reasonings employed, that of one line, one element, implies a throng beyond counting of formative material units. Thus, added complexity is substituted for that fundamental unity of matter which has long formed the dream of speculators, and it is extremely remarkable that Sir William Crookes, working along totally different lines, has been led to analogous conclusions. To take only one example, as the outcome of extremely delicate operations of sifting and testing carried on for years, he finds that the metal yttrium splits up into five, if not eight, constituents. Evidently, old notions are doomed, nor are any preconceived ones likely to take their place. It would seem, on the contrary, as if their complete reconstruction were at hand. Subversive facts are steadily accumulating. The revolutionary ideas springing from them tend, if we interpret them aright, towards the substitution of electrical for chemical theories of matter. Disassociation by the brute force of heat is already nearly superseded in the thoughts of physicists by the more delicate process of ionization. Precisely what this implies and involves, we do not know, but the symptoms of its occurrence are probably altogether different from those gathered by Sir Norman Lockyer from the collation of celestial spectra. A. J. Engstrom of Uppsala takes rank after Kirchhoff as a subordinate founder, so to speak, of solar spectroscopy. His great map of the normal solar spectrum was published in 1868, two years before he died. Robert Thalen was his coadjutor in its execution, and the immense labor which it cost 
was amply repaid by its eminent and lasting usefulness for more than a score of years it held its ground as the universal standard of reference in all spectroscopic inquiries within the range of the visible emanations those that are invisible by reason of the quickness of their vibrations were mapped by dr henry draper of new york in eighteen seventy three and with superior accuracy by m cornu in eighteen eighty one the infrared part of the spectrum investigated by langley abney and newt engstrom reaches perhaps no definite end the radiations oscillating too slowly to affect the eye as light may pass by insensible gradations by the long hertzian waves of electricity professor rowland's photographic map of the solar spectrum published in eighteen eighty six and a second enlarged edition in eighteen eighty nine open fresh possibilities for its study from far down in the red to high up in the ultraviolet and the accompanying scale of absolute wave lengths has been with trifling modifications universally adopted his new table of standard solar lines was published in eighteen ninety three through his work indeed knowledge of the solar spectrum so far outstripped knowledge of terrestrial spectra that the recognition of their common constituents was hampered by intolerable uncertainties thousands of solar lines charted with minute precision remained unidentified for want of a corresponding precision in the registration of metallic lines roland himself however undertook to provide a remedy aided by lewis e jewell he redetermined at johns hopkins university the wavelengths of about sixteen thousand solar lines photographing for comparison with them the spectra of all known chemical elements except gallium of which he could procure no specimen the labor of collation was well advanced when he died at the age of fifty-two april sixteenth nineteen o one investigations of metallic arc spectra have also been carried out with signal success by hasselberg kayser and rung o los and others another condition sin qua non of progress in this department is the separation of true solar lines from those produced by absorption in our own atmosphere and here little remains to be done tholen's great atlas was designed for this purpose of discrimination each of its thirty-three maps exhibits in quadruplet a subdivision of the solar spectrum under varied conditions of weather and zenith distance telluric effects are thus made easily legible and they account wholly for eight hundred and sixty six partly for two hundred and forty six out of a total of three thousand two hundred lines but the death of the artist april eighth eighteen eighty seven unfortunately interrupted the half-finished task of the last seven years of his life a most satisfactory record meanwhile of selective atmospheric action has been supplied by the experiments and determinations of jansen cornu and igorov by dr becker's drawings and mr mclean's photographs of the analyzed light of the sun at high low and medium altitudes and the autographic pictures obtained by mr george higgs of liverpool of certain rhythmical groups in the red emerging with surprising strength near sunset excite general and well-deserved admiration the main interest however of all these documents resides in the information afforded by them regarding the chemistry of the sun the discovery that hydrogen exists in the atmosphere of the sun was made by angstrom in eighteen sixty two 
his list of solar elements published in that year the result of an investigation separate from though conducted on the same principle as kirchhoff's included the substance which we now know to be predominant among them dr plucher of bonn had identified in eighteen fifty nine the fraunhofer line f with the green ray of hydrogen but drew no inference from his observation the agreement was verified by angstrom two further coincidences were established and in eighteen sixty six a fourth hydrogen line in the extreme violet named lower case h was detected in the solar spectrum with thallon he besides added manganese titanium and cobalt to the constituents of the sun enumerated by kirchhoff and raised the number of identical rays in the solar and terrestrial spectra of iron to no less than four hundred and sixty thus when sir norman lockyer entered on that branch of inquiry in eighteen seventy two fourteen substances were recognized as common to the earth and sun early in eighteen seventy eight he was able to increase the list provisionally to thirty three all except hydrogen metals this rapid success was due to his adoption of the test of length in lieu of that of strength in the comparison of lines he measured their relative significance in other words rather by their persistence through a wide range of temperature than by their brilliance at any one temperature the distinction was easily drawn photographs of the electric arc in which any given metal had been volatilized showed some of the rays emitted by its stretching across the axis of the light to a considerable distance on either side while many others clung more or less closely to its central hottest core the former long lines regarded as certainly representative were those primarily sought in the solar spectrum while the attendant short lines often in point of fact due to foreign admixtures were set aside as likely to be misleading the criterion is a valuable one and its employment has greatly helped to quicken the progress of solar chemistry carbon was the first non-metallic element discovered in the sun messrs trowbridge and hutchins of harvard college concluded in eighteen eighty seven on the ground of certain spectral coincidences that this protean substance is vaporized in the solar atmosphere at a temperature approximately that of the voltaic arc partial evidence to the same effect had earlier been alleged by lockyer as well as by liveling and duar and the case was rendered tolerably complete by photographs taken by kayser and runge in eighteen eighty nine it was by professor roland shown to be irresistible two hundred carbon lines were through his comparisons sifted out from sunlight and it contained others significant of the presence of silicon a related substance and one as important to rock building on the earth as carbon is to the maintenance of life the general result of roland's labors was the establishment among solar materials not only of these two out of the fourteen metalloids or non-metallic substances but of thirty-three metals including silver and tin gold mercury bismuth antimony and arsenic were discarded from the catalogue platinum and uranium with six other metals remained doubtful while iron was recorded as crowding the spectrum with over two thousand obscure rays gallium absorption was detected in it by hartley and ramage in eighteen eighty nine dr henry draper announced in eighteen seventy seven his imagined discovery in the solar spectrum of eighteen especially brilliant spaces corresponding to oxygen emissions but the agreement proved 
when put to the test of very high dispersion to be wholly illusory nor has it yet been found possible to identify and analyze sunlight any significant bright beams the book of solar chemistry must be read in characters exclusively of absorption nevertheless the whole truth is unlikely to be written there that a substance displays none of its distinctive beams in the spectrum of the sun or of a star affords scarcely a presumption against its presence for it may be situated below the level where absorption occurs or under a pressure such as to efface lines by widening and weakening them it may be at a temperature so high that it gives off more light than it takes up and yet its incandescence may be masked by the absorption of other bodies finally it may just balance absorption by emission with the result of complete spectral neutrality an instructive example is that of the chromospheric element helium father secchi remarked in eighteen sixty eight that there is no dark line in the solar spectrum matching its light and his observation has been fully confirmed helium absorption is however occasionally noticed in the penumbrae of spots our terrestrial vital element might then easily subsist unrecognizably in the sun the inner organization of the oxygen molecule is a considerably plastic one it is readily modified by heat and these modifications are reflected in its varying modes of radiating light dr schuster enumerated in eighteen seventy nine four distinct oxygen spectra corresponding to various stages of temperature or phases of electrical excitement and a fifth has been added by m egoroff's discovery in eighteen eighty three that certain well-known groups of dark lines in the red end of the solar spectrum fraunhofer's a and b are due to absorption by the cool oxygen of our air these persist down to the lowest temperatures and even survive a change of state they are produced essentially the same by liquid as by aerial oxygen it seemed however possible to m jansen that these bands owned a joint solar and terrestrial origin oxygen in a fit condition to produce them might he considered exist in the outer atmosphere of the sun and he resolved to decide the point no one could bring more skill and experience to bear upon it than he by observations on the summit of the fallhorn as well as by direct experiment he demonstrated nearly thirty years ago the leading part played by water vapor in generating the atmospheric spectrum and he had recourse to similar means for appraising the share in it assignable to oxygen an electric beam transmitted from the eiffel tower to moudon in the summer of eighteen eighty eight having passed through a weight of oxygen about equal to that piled above the surface of the earth showed that groups a and b just as they appear in the high sun spectrum atmospheric action is then adequate to produce them but m jansen desired to prove in addition that they diminish proportionately to its amount his ascent of mont blanc in eighteen ninety was undertaken with this object it was perfectly successful in the solar spectrum examined from that eminence oxygen absorption was so much enfeebled as to leave no possible doubt of its purely telluric origin under another form nevertheless it has been detected as indubitably solar a triplet of dark lines low down in the red photographed from the sun by higgs and maclean was clearly identified by runge and paskin in eighteen ninety six with the fundamental group of an oxygen series first seen by piazzi smith in the spectrum of a vacuum tube in eighteen eighty three 
the pabulum vitae of our earth is then to some slight extent effective in arresting transmitted sunlight and oxygen must be classed as a solar element the rays of the sun besides being stopped selectively in our atmosphere suffer also a marked general absorption this tells chiefly upon the slowest wavelengths the ultraviolet spectrum is in fact closed if by the interposition of an opaque screen nor does the screen appear very sensibly less opaque from an elevation of ten thousand feet dr simony's spectral photographs taken on the peak of Tenerife, extended but slightly further up than monsieur cornu's taken in the valley of the lorry could the veil be withdrawn some indications as to the originating temperature of the solar spectrum might be gathered from its range since the proportion of quick vibrations given out by a glowing body grows with the intensity of its incandescence and this brings us to the subject of our next chapter end of chapter four part two